Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. online or right here at Kentucky Trail, we just want to invite you to get on your feet, put your hands together, and sing along. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. the joy in this season, especially this year. And so I just pray for you that you're able just to open your hearts, surrender to God this morning, remember that joy, reflect on that this morning as we continue singing.
worship you this morning, God. We believe that this place is holy ground. We believe that you are here. You are changing lives. You are working in our lives. You are bringing freedom to the captives, God. You are breaking chains. We praise you.
That's right, real life. Come on, give it up for Jesus this morning. Lives are going to change today. Hope is going to be found today. Come on, let's give it up to the King of Kings. And Lord, oh Lord, just lift it up to Jesus today. Man, oh man. Man, oh man, it's so good to be here worshiping with you. Before we get going, let me just share something really quick to you. This is Moses just crying out to God in the book of Exodus. Just follow along up here on the screen. It says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Later on, it continues, the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Guys, can I just get a huge amen if that just rang true to you today? Just praise God for all he does for us. And we just pray that for the rest of this week, the rest of this month, and the rest of this year, that God will just show his glory in your life and here at Real Life Church. Man, before you guys be seated, it's so good to hear you sing. It's so good to worship with you. That's just a true honor and a blessing. Will you just turn to someone and give them a big smile and just say, hey, it's good to see you today here at Real Life. And then go ahead and have a quick seat. And while they're doing that here in the room, I wanna extend a special greeting to those of you joining us online. We're just so pumped that you chose to check out what we're doing here at KT there online. So throw up some likes, throw some hearts, and everyone here in the room, can we give a special welcome as well to those joining us online? They're just as much a part of what we do, but they're online, that's so cool. We're honored to have you. And hey, speaking of new, you might be new online, you might be new in this room today. You are our honored and special guest. We're just pumped that you're here with us today, worshiping with us and checking out what we do at Real Life. If that's you, get your phone out, please. And I want you to check, I want you to text RL New to 97,000, even those of you joining us online. All that's gonna do, just put someone on our, on our connection team in touch with you this week. And I promise, all digital, no one is showing up at your door. We didn't do it pre-COVID either, right? We're not that kind of church. <laughs> but we do wanna check with you. Make sure that you enjoyed your stay here at Real Life. Make sure that you know that someone's praying for you and just answer any questions you might have about what we're about. So please do that. And hey, if you're brand new and you're in the room today, do not leave without going and seeing us at the New Here booth. It would be our honor to meet you. And we just have a small gift for you as our way of saying thanks. So welcome, welcome all of our new faces today. You know, Real Life Church is a pretty cool place to be. And uh, one of the reasons I love being a part of it is our mission statement. It says, we exist to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And another way of saying that is we are a church for the unchurched. We are the place that you can feel safe when you walk in these doors, know that people care about you, wanna minister to you, and that could be for a myriad of reasons. You know, you might have never been to church before. You might be wondering what this whole God thing's about. What I think is maybe even more uh, likely for a lot of us is you've been burned by church before, and we get that. And so it is so important to us that we just roll out the red carpet for you and just make you feel loved and make you feel like this is a family. And this is a place where you can just come as you are. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to live a perfect life for us to just minister to you and just help you grow, just meet you where you are. So I hope, I hope, I hope that you feel that way here. And a little bit beyond that, I hope that you feel like you can start bringing out friends and neighbors and relatives, and coworkers. There's just people all around us in all of our lives that need the hope of Jesus this season. So I hope you'll feel encouraged that you can bring them here to real life. We'll save a seat for you, all right? So thanks for doing that. There's some people here that are also, maybe you've been coming to check us out for a while. You've been enjoying the fellowship, enjoying the gatherings, and you're wondering what you can do to be a part of what we're doing here, the difference that we're trying to make in Belton and Raymore and beyond. And so right after this gathering, I got the perfect place for you. It's our next step. We're gonna do step number two today called Make This House Your Home. 
And that's my desire. That's our desire here at Real Life, just for you to just dive in, dive in head first, get planted, and just see where God can take you on this journey here at Real Life. So come check it out right after the gathering. Child care is provided. Just come see us and learn about who we are, where we're going, what we have next for you here at Real Life. It's going to be awesome right after this gathering. You know, 2020 has been a year of waiting, right? We've been waiting for that curve to flatten. We've been waiting for the vaccine. Lord knows we were waiting for this election cycle to get over. Come on, right? Waiting for COVID to just go away so we can get back to life as normal. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm super stoked because live and in the flesh, we got Pastor Sean Petrie talking us through Wait no more. Will you give a warm welcome? He's back in the flesh, baby. Come on, Sean Petrie. Talk to him today. That's what I do. You didn't know I snuck around you. How you guys doing? Dude, I'm blessed. I'll say that. Who's blessed? You guys are blessed. I love that. Man, uh, I'm blessed you guys are here, and I'm blessed you guys are joining us online. Uh, but something else happened in my life recently, and uh, by the way, I'll just say this. I have not been on the stage in five weeks because of At The Movies. By the way, give it up for everybody put At The Movies together. Come on. Amazing series. Jared, Trayvon, where's Jana helped out, Carrie. A lot of people helped out on that. So, um, but yeah, I'm so blessed. And so I want to check this out. This is Levi Dax Petrie. Come on, right there. He's actually in the flesh back there. He's with mommy. If you hear somebody crying, it's, it's me. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, Levi, he was, he was born uh, on a perfect day for a father. Come on, 12-2-2020. I can't mess that up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? So I was like, oh, you go, boy. But he was five days uh, after the due date. So Diane was ready for this kid to get out, like get this alien spawn out of me. And so what do you do? Uh, we go to Target. That's what we did. We said, let's just walk Target. And so we're down there at Target, and uh, Target started speaking to Diane, and these contractions started coming a little more and a little more. And uh, she'd had contractions for like five days. So it's like, is this really going to happen or not? And uh, I kind of noticed as she's getting contractions, she had like veer off into the clothing aisle and just kind of not, she goes silent, kind of hold on to the clothing rack. I'm like, man, I think it's about that time. And so uh, we walked out and uh, pulled the car up. And this is like Diane right here. We get in the car and she goes, I think we should go back home. Like, it's not really feeling it quite yet. Like, maybe we wait a little longer. I'm like, are you sure? Like, it's our third kid. Like, oh, I don't know about that. So we call the on-call on person, and they're like, well, just check it out. You're already out. So we get there, and, of course, she's like an eight. Come on, somebody. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I'm glad I drove this way. And uh, isn't it five minutes later, her water breaks. You know what I'm saying? And so here comes the kid, and I was just like, oh, thank you, Lord. This, I didn't live this car in the, in the minivan or at home. I would have been, oh, man, this has been, ba- been a good story, babe. But uh, I love you. It was great. So. Little Levi, he's doing great, 11 days old. So, but I don't know, 2020, uh, this season has been a season of waiting for most of us. Uh, a season of uh, waiting for the curve to flatten, uh, waiting for sports to go back to normal, uh, wait, waiting for uh, school to be somewhat normal. Are we in person? Are we not? I know as a church, we're the same way. We're in a school. Come on. It's like, are we going to be there for what's going to happen, right? Uh, maybe you're waiting to meet together at the holidays, man. That's tricky, right? Just waiting to get everybody back together. I'm, gonna be, I'm waiting to meet without masks. Come on, somebody. It's just me. Okay, cool. Well, y'all keep your mask on when this is all done. Hopefully it's, we'll see. We'll get there, right? But we're getting tired of 2020, right? Um, you know, I was meeting with a mentor of mine a few weeks ago, and uh, he had this great comment. This is uh, before December happened. He said, when December hits, on December 1st, man, I'm going to celebrate New Year's. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you know what, 2020 is taking so much from me and from us that I'm going to take some back from it. I thought that was pretty good, you know, like mentally saying, like, I'm starting over in December 1st. You know, how's 2020 going for you? Like, not like financially, but how's it going spiritually? Like, how's it going in your heart? Like, how are you doing? You know, here at church, we can serve side by side a lot. Like, we can set all this up and we can be in different teams. But you know what? We need to start thinking soul to soul. Like, how are you doing spiritually in this season? This is a question I want you to ask on the car ride home. Here's the question. It's a good conversation. If it's just you driving, just be like self and ask this question. We go back. Ask this question. Is your life, is your spiritual life like winter, summer, spring, or fall? Right now, how is it? How would you describe this? I did this with our staff a few weeks ago, and it was funny. We had people all over the place, and some people said it was like spring, things were new, things are going great. I'm like, okay, that's not me. And then people like the winter, and it's just tough season, and people like the fall, things are changing, the season to change, 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 change. Who knows? That's the yeah, fall fits. I was like summer, okay, and it wasn't because summer fun. I was like summer drought. Come on, somebody. It was like pivot, adjust, pivot, adjust, pivot, adjust, pivot. I don't know. You guys picking up, right? Like it just ne- 
never ends. I can't find a routine. And then Levi came. I'm like in a perfect routine, just up all the time. You know what I'm saying? Now she's dying, not me. She's, I sleep like a husband. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was waiting for amen from Diane. She didn't say anything. But how are you doing spiritually? How are you doing spiritually? You know, at the beginning of 2020, um, write that down, man. How are you doing spiritually? Winter, summer, spring, fall. Ask in the car at home. You won't regret it. But the beginning of this year, you guys set some goals, okay? Hopefully, maybe set some goals. If you didn't, that's okay. Never too late to make some up. But we did a series called Habits, and uh, we, we set goals for ourselves. And maybe you had some goals at the beginning of the year. I don't know about you. I started 2020 in the coolest way possible. I was at Passion Conference uh, with a group of young people. And Passion Conference is just this, po- this conference that reached out to young people across the United States. And they ended up doing it over New Year. And so I issued New Year's, and I was tired because I'm old, you know, older, and um, I'm not 20. And uh, they issued New Year's as Hillsong United, and they had the countdown. There's 60,000 people. Come on. There's fireworks. There's things blowing up. And this guy preached a little earlier, and he preached on the Roaring Twenties. Like, this was the Roaring Twenties. This is our decade, just like 1920. This is going to be that decade. He was wrong. Come on, somebody. Like, the 20s came in like the Dust Bowl, which he talked about. And so for us, like, we go back, like, what were your goals at the beginning of the year? And I kind of feel like you could copy and paste, like, those original goals into 2021. Like, I'm looking at him going, why did I even write these? Like, <laughs> race, race. Like, just move them over a year. Like, let's just delay that a little bit. And who knows, maybe it's 2022 before, I don't know, which was season of waiting, just waiting and waiting. And what do you do while you wait? Like, what do we do in this season while we're waiting? You know, for some of us, uh, this season of getting stretched and it's uncomfortable, we haven't heard from God in a long time. For some of us, we've been waiting for God to do something and God to change something. We, we haven't quite seen what God is doing. And there's this season in the Bible where God was silent. It's called the 400 years of silence. It's a time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, a time from the Old Testament prophets and when Jesus showed up. And it starts in Malachi chapter 4 with the prediction of Elijah's return. This is about 430 B.C., and it ends the fulfillment of the prophecy of coming of John the Baptist in 4 B.C. There's these 400 years where there's nothing from God. Like it's a promise and a promise fulfilled. It's that time between, the in-between, in this moment where we can't see God or we don't feel God in this season. And it may seem like God's not moving, but can I encourage you that God is moving behind the scenes? Uh, just like you go to a, a play at theater and the curtain is drawn during the intermission, God is working behind the curtain. God is setting up a new stage and a new set and a new thing, and God will reveal that curtain in his time. And now there's a key verse I want you guys to see for this series, and it's called Wait No More. And this series is all about why we're waiting on God. What is he going to do? And we're going to use this theme verse all throughout December. But check it out. It's in Galatians 4.4. This is really the uh, kind of beginning of the story of Christmas. This is when it happens. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, when the completion of time, when the allotted time, when the perfect moment happened, God sent forth his son. See, there was a conversation that happened in heaven where, where the God the Father was looking at humanity and he said, now, Jesus, this is the moment. Like, I've been waiting for this. Like, I've been putting it all together behind the scenes just for you. So those prophecies that were all predicted in the Old Testament came true, which I think is one of the greatest apologetic for the Bible. Like if you're doubting the Bible and you don't, you don't feel like there's any validity and it's just a blind faith, there's no blind faith. There is so much prophecy that has come true, and next week we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about this, this behind the scenes, what God was doing a prophecy. And uh, there was languages being put together. You know the Bible is written in Greek, which is the most specific language ever put together. Matter of fact, there's 26 ways to say the word the. Come on, somebody. Like, you know, when it was written down, it was just letter after letter after letter after letter after letter, 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 next line, letter, letter, letter. And it is put out perfectly so we can understand it in every language today. It's minute. God was very detailed. He put together. All the cultures came together. Do you know there was no such thing as the cross before the Romans put it together? Because God the Father was waiting for the weapon of crucifixion and torture to come for Jesus. And he looks at us and he sees this cross being built and he says, now Jesus. This is the time. This is a moment fitly placed in eternity. This nanosecond where God the Father is working behind the scenes and now says, let's reveal the plan. This is the moment. It was no accident that God put Jesus exactly in that time period in history. You know, God is in control. He's moving even though we can't feel it. In this season while we're waiting for masks to go away, vaccines to hit. Who's taking that one, by the way? Who's the first person? That's a joke, by the way. Okay, we'll get that next time. All right. I'm glad it's out there, right? So I'm just telling you that you don't know what's happening because God's in control, but we're just nervous, right? 
Uh, the world's in chaos, but us as Christians, where are we supposed to find ourselves? Well, God is in control. So in this season, the greatest temptation is going to happen while you're waiting. Between a promise and a promise fulfilled, there's a temptation. And the temptation is this. The temptation is to take our eyes off of God. The temptation is to substitute our satisfaction in God with a circumstance or a substance. All of a sudden, the world changes and COVID's happened. And all those things that were normal are not normal. And we're going, oh, God, oh, God, you're so great. Whoa, what's going on? And if you're like me, I go like this. Let's go work harder. Come on, somebody. Workaholic, right? Like, I'm going to work through this. I'll figure it out. Like, I'm going to go make a way. I don't know. There's no way. But I'm going to go plow through some doors. I'm going to go make a way in this season. You know, for us, we can substitute our satisfaction with God by staying busy. Like, we can be full of worry and insecurity and fear and doubt. Maybe you feel like you're not making progress in this season, and you might self-medicate with Netflix and Big Daddy No-Notes. Come on, somebody. Netflix is loving us in this season, right? They can see all the series and whatever, having fun. But a husband, you can work crazy hours, and maybe a wife, and you're, you're working, 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 and you forget to lead your family. Maybe you forget to pray for your kids. Maybe you forget that God is in control of your finances. Come on. Like, oh, come on. Where are you at, Jesus? Maybe you're a parent and your tired of school is going to be in person or virtual. How's it going to affect your life? I know if our schools go virtual in Raymore, we lose all our daycare. That's it. Our kids aren't in school yet. So you're like, oh, what are we going to do? You know, there's just no rhythm. As a pastor, if you're a leader in the church, uh, you know, I get a little nervous. Like, are we going to be in person for everything? Uh, we're planning Christmas, and as we were planning, we're like, we're going to do a virtual side to it. We're going to do an in-person side, and that's like twice as much work, right? It's not easy, but we're going to be in person. Come on, somebody. Nothing crazy happened, right? Like, we're going to be in person. We're going to be in person. I'm going to say it right now. All right? But everyone, we're tired of Zoom. Come on, somebody. We're tired of Zoom. I got five accounts. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're tired of being all this. We're just waiting to get me back in person, waiting to hang out in the holidays. You know, real honesty, how many of you guys are tired this morning? I don't know. I'm tired. Everybody put your hand up if you're tired a little bit. If you're not tired this morning, I need to come up here and preach the rest of this message and tell us how you're not tired. I'm telling you, I'm tired of things changing. I mean, I'm tired of getting my butt kicked. Come on, somebody. It's like you can make two steps forward, one step back. I know there's marriages that are stressed. I mean, I haven't seen a season like this in my entire life. As a pastor and people around me all the time, man, just marriages are falling apart. Like people are stressed to the nines. You know, people, there's young people that are contemplating and thinking of suicide and even take action on that suicide. I mean, it's like unreal, some of these stories. I mean, relationships are being stressed. Kids are hurting. You know, we can lose focus on God while we're waiting. It's exactly what happened in those 400 years of silence for the religious leaders, for the so-called Christians of the day. Matter of fact, Jesus showed up after 400 years of silence, and he showed up to religious leaders, the people that should be looking for him, and they didn't even recognize him. They didn't even know it was him. They had substitute their satisfaction in God with another substance or circumstance. Check this out. This is, a, this is a crazy piece of scripture. I don't think I've ever preached on it. I've never heard me preach on it. But Matthew 21, 31 says this. Jesus said to them, he said to the Pharisees, his religious leaders, he says, truly I tell you that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Who knows, that's a bad day. Like what in the world were you saying, Jesus? He says, for John came, John the Baptist came to show you the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you didn't repent and believe in him. Man, it's so easy to miss God in the space between. It's so easy to miss God while you're waiting. Like what are you filling your life with in this season? You know, we, uh, we, we, Drew came up here and he read the verse about Moses and he cried out to God, just show me your glory. Just show me who you are. You guys sang a song called Fill This Place. You should fill, fill my life. We sing the song, Holy Ground. Like, change is going to fall today. Like, in your presence, in this moment, God, I'm surrendered to you. We sing these songs of surrender. But, like, is that true in your heart? Like, in this season, like, when's the last time you sat down at the Father's table and had a meal? Like, when's the last time you got a word from the word? You know, one time I did a staff meeting, I said, hey, who's got a word from the word? And they looked at me like, what? I was like, come on. Like, we got to get fed every couple days. Like, you don't hear something new from God every three or four days, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. In this season, we can replace other things besides the glory of God with other things around us. See, the Pharisees lost sight of God. They didn't even recognize him when he spoke to them. And so they replaced it with lesser things, something maybe more tangible like money. These Pharisees, they set up the church and they put uh, people bartering and trading and selling stuff in the church because they wanted to make some extra money. And what happened when Jesus showed up? He said, I don't know what you've been doing for 400 years, but this ain't going to happen in my house. And he came in and flipped the tables over, Right? That they lost track of God, and when instead of having a relationship with Jesus, they came up with all these rules and created a religion. They came up with 613 rules of how to follow Jesus. You could write a million, it would never be enough. But they had a certain way they wanted it to go. 
They created this religion if you were good enough and you checked these boxes and you just gave enough and you looked a certain way and dressed a certain way and you talked a certain way and you did a certain thing, then you could know Jesus. And they created this system instead of grace, but the system of condemnation, the system of guilt. They wanted to control the circumstance while they're waiting. And instead of taking authority and put it on God, they took the authority of God and put it on themselves. You know, 2020 has offered a lot of fake substitutes for God. And I could spend probably 10 hours talking about the fake substitutes. But can I just tell you that nothing satisfies like God. Amen? Nothing satisfies like sitting down at the Father's table and having a meal with him, getting a word from Jesus. Let me illustrate this for you. You may have thought I was going to drink a lot of Pepsi or something up here, but nope. This is a bag of rice. All y'all past histories. All right. When 2009, you guys are getting that. Uh, but in 2009, uh, we did this thing called a, a famine. And so uh, me, uh, my wife, we led the youth group, and we did, we, did this, we did this rice famine. And so what this is, this is a cup of uncooked rice. And this is what the average person in the world lives on every single day. Two-thirds of the world, okay, lives on this. So you divide that three ways, and that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So this is what they live on, which is hard to believe. It really is. I mean, I've, I've, I've did this, and I've forgotten about it. It's hard to believe that this is it. Like, we were like, man, I just need more money. And me just, it's like, I'm pretty blessed. And so we challenged our youth group, say, we're raising money for us well, and uh, we want to bring awareness, and so we're going to have a rice famine. And uh, I'll tell you what, the kids loved it, but the parents did it. Come on, somebody. Those parents are like, what are you doing with my kids? <laughs> you know, because we were feeding them rice for two weeks, all right? 14 days, 14 cups of rice. And so uh, I lived on this for 14 days with a lot of people. Who did a rice famine with me? Been here, did a rice famine with me. Kayla, I see you out there. All right. Um, some of you guys did this, and, and, and you know, I, I put a lot of weight on since the rice famine, okay? Um, but I'm telling you, um, yeah. I found 150 ways to cook and season my rice. Come on, somebody. I mean, everything of rice, I was like, I need to put, I don't know what this is going to taste like, but Lord, make it taste better. Like, it just, oh, man, another day. more rice, more rice. You know, we got done in 14 days. You know what we did? We went to Chipotle. Come on, somebody. All right. And uh, I know Danny Emo, he, he, shout out to Danny. He's a pastor uh, now. But he, um, he, uh, he did the rice famine. He went to, he, we had, th- I think he ate three Chipotle burritos. I mean, inhaled those things. It was like, I'm like, bro, what the, wow, you know? But for me, like, my experience with the rice fam was, man, I was never hungry. Like, I lost my appetite, but I was never satisfied. Not one time was I like, ooh, man, can't wait for that rice. Boom, that feels good. I'm so full of energy. I love it. Then the whole time's like, another thing of rice. Oh, son of the Lord, take this rice, right? But this is what most people live on in the world. And for us, like, when we substitute the things of God with a bag of rice, we can fool ourselves into thinking that our life is satisfied. We can fool ourselves into thinking that this is all there is to offer. We can be substitute our life for other things. We can just stay busy in this season. Stay busy, 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 not hearing something from God. You know, I don't like to preach at church about reading your Bible, but when did we read the last time we read our Bibles, right? Like just open up and say, God, I need something fresh today. Just give me a word. Like I'm not leaving this Bible until you bless me with something. Like I'm going to keep reading until you give me something. Like, I'm not going to do this on my own. But for so many of us, like, oh, the Bible, <laughs> there it is, right? Like, we got to get into it. And, like, nobody else can do it but us. But, you know, we're like, oh, this rice isn't satisfied. It is rice, bro. Like, you're living on rice, not the word of God. You're living on rice. Can I encourage you that nothing satisfies, like, sitting at the meal with the Father and getting a word from him? Man, a word of peace in this season. We can use some peace. I don't know about you. I can use some peace. I can use some love. I can lose some joy in this season. Here's a question for you. How do you know you lost sight of God? Like, you might go, like, I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Like, how do you know what you're doing is no longer for Jesus? Like, it's no longer about God. How do you know? And it's real simple. It's when God asks you to stop doing it and you still hold on. It's when God says, that's not what I want from you. And you say, no, no, that's mine. Like, this is me in this season. Like, some of us had those goals at the beginning of the year, and we're, like, still trying to hit those goals. Like, it's time to let those goals go. You know, for some of us, it's relationships, right? There's that boyfriend or girlfriend, and God said, man, you're waiting for that person to change. Like, they'll be different. They'll be different. And instead, you're supposed to be waiting on me. It's time to drop the bad habit. Come on, somebody. There's that friend in your life that's putting something in your face. They're telling you something you should do. They're showing you things, bringing you places you shouldn't go. And you're like, well, they'll change. They'll change. They'll change. You're waiting for somebody else to change. Like, bro, wait on God. I'm not, it's awfully quiet today. My preach is better than your response. Come on, somebody. Parents want to say amen, but their kids are here. Come on, right? There's people around you like, man, I just waiting on people all of the time. 
Man, to that job, man, I was here. I'm not here, okay, so don't get weird ideas, but I, I was in a place. Like, there's a job you have, and God has said, I know I'm preaching to somebody right now. They're just like, you know, there's a job I had, or I do have, but I know God has called me to let go of it. There's a job that I have right now that God says, I know you shouldn't be there. But instead, you're like, you know, things are going to change. Maybe next year, you know, we're going to make some different, you know, and all of a sudden, you're like, God has said, let God go. But there's nothing there for you to go to. You're like, man, but God's told me to let it go. There's a job in this season. I think like John the Baptist, right? What was John the Baptist's mission? It was to show up and proclaim and then disappear. Man, that's not the story. That's not the American dream of Christianity. Like you disappear into the backdrop of Jesus. Like that's how that goes. Then this season, God is going to raise you up and then say, okay, just go that direction. Maybe. God's calling you. Only you know the voice of God in your life. Maybe it was a habit in your life. Let me keep going back to, I don't know, COVID has offered a lot of substitutes and substances. Maybe there's a real substance. Come on, somebody. Maybe it is legal or illegal. All right? Which, by the way, I did see that Visa and MasterCard shut down their little transactions to Pornhub this week. Come on. How crazy is that? I'm just telling you, the average person starts looking at pornography at 11. That's great. Like, there's some ground being taken in a weird way. I don't know how God worked that out, but that was a good workout, you know? But there's some substances. There's some things that we do. Maybe it's just generosity. Like, man, God, I give, but money's tight. When I have enough, I'll start giving. You know, we ask people to give, and it's, I always tell people the first number is yours, you know, and the second number is God's. So we sat down as a leadership team, and we said, okay, well, we're going to lead the way for the heart for the house, you know. And so uh, me and Dan were talking, and it's like, hey, what do you think of this number? I was like, that's your number. <laughs> What's God's number? We need a God-sized number. Let's lead the way. But for oftentimes we're replacing the things of God with what's, what we see in front of us. So what was the side we, what was the day we decided to wait on God? Like we say, God, I want you. I'm, I'm tired of waiting. I'm taking back something from 2020. This year has got away from me, but I got two weeks left. Come on, somebody. I got two weeks in December, and this can be the best two weeks of 2020. I want to get my sight back. I want to dine at the Father's table. Man, I'm tired of serving a substitute instead of the Savior. Come on. Like, I want something real. Like, I want to feel it this year. Like, I want some passion back in my life. I'm going to give you three ways to get your passion back. They're easy to understand, but I'm just going to be honest with you. These are tough. This is tough to do, but I believe you can do it. I believe God wants you to do it. First thing is this, don't give up. It says this in Galatians. It says, let us not be weary in doing good for at the proper time. I love that. At that exact moment, in the fulfillment of time, when the curtains open, it will happen for you. It says, uh, you will reap a harvest if you what? What do you do? Say it with me. If you do not give up. If you don't give up. 2020 is like telling you to throw the towel in. I mean, every couple of weeks, just throw the towel in. Like, I know you pivoted and changed and it's working out, but now it's different again. Throw the towel in. But Jesus says, don't give up. Don't give up. This word weary, it means to have your patience, tolerance, or pleasure exhausted. Anybody feel that? A pleasure is exhausted. Or you're exhausted in strength. Do you know that Jesus did his best work while he was weary? This is weird. It's a weird thought to think about. But Jesus did his best work while he was weary. I mean, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying in the garden. He knew the agony and the anticipation of going to the cross, not just the physical torture, but of all the sin of the world being pushed down on him and not crushing him and destroying him, but he knew he had to pay for all of our sin. And he's sitting in the garden, he's praying on his knees, and he has to get up and go, hey, disciples, wake up. Why don't you keep praying? He keeps praying. Hey, disciples, wake up, keep praying. While they're sleeping, renewing their strength, there's Jesus praying, maybe the most heartfelt prayer I'd ever prayed. And this group of mob come to arrest him with Judas. And he's betrayed and he's taken to get scourged and beaten and stripped of his clothes and his beard's ripped out. And the Bible said he was so disfigured you wouldn't recognize him as a human. And then they take this weapon of torture called the cross and they put it on his shoulder and he begins to walk down the road to Calvary. And he exhausts every ounce of his strength to carry this cross. Lily falls on the ground and somebody runs up to him and grabs the cross. He begins to carry the cross with Jesus all the way to the hill of Calvary. Jesus gets on top of this hill of Calvary and they flip the cross over on its back. They lay him on the cross and they nail his arms in and nail through his ankles. And they take that cross and they hoist it up and it drops into the hole for the whole world to see Jesus. For this moment fitly placed. And as Jesus is exhausting his physical strength because on the cross, you didn't die from anything but asphyxiation. You couldn't breathe because to breathe, you had to pull your body up to get a breath of air. And as his body became weaker and weaker and weaker, he dies from asphyxiation for us on the cross. 
and he pays for all of our sin, death, and hell in that moment of physical weakness. Can I tell you that 2020 is one of those seasons where you're gonna have to carry your cross. You have to just take the next step and say, I don't have the strength to keep going, but I'm gonna take the next step. And thank God somebody's with me that can pick this thing up. I'm just telling you, called the church, because I can't keep going on my own. But this is the season you're in. But Jesus was, how did he do when he was weary? He was physically weary, like he was exhausted. He exhausted himself to death. But Jesus, don't miss this, was not spiritually weary. He was not spiritually weary. Like he was more connection with his father, walking with that cross than any other time in history. Can I encourage you today in this season, you're gonna have to have just an immense connection to God. That there's gonna have some hunger in this season. Like you're gonna have to open your Bible, foreign concept for people, open your app, right? And just get in front of God and say, I'm not leaving this app until you tell me something. Like I'm not gonna stop. And so when you get in the car ride home, you're gonna say, all right, what season are you in? Winter, summer, spring, or fall, which one is it? You're gonna have these conversations and God's gonna start doing something inside of your life. You know, for some of us, we're called to let go of things in this season. Maybe let go of our bank account statement, let go of that secret habit, let go of their election results, come on somebody. If they're done yet, I don't know. Let go of the promotion that you missed up because COVID happened. Just let go of what happened in 2020. Today is New Year. New year, new time with Jesus. We're starting this direction. I love what Chris Hodges says. So he says about emotional intelligence. This is so awesome. He says, surrender is to know what to let go. Self-control is to know what to hold on to. And emotional intelligence is the wisdom to know the difference. Somebody needs to get a tattoo this week. <laughs> this is gonna be it. Surrender is to know what to let go. We gotta be smart, guys. Like we're holding on to things we're holding on to. And self-control is saying, what things do I control? Like, that is mine. My family is mine. Like, nobody else leave my family. I'm not waiting for somebody to pick up my family. Like, I'm, I'm gonna do the hard work. Like, prayer is mine. My relationship with God is mine. I'm picking these things up. I'm having self-control. But emotional intelligence is a difference. The wisdom, though, the difference between things that you own and things you don't. I love that. In this season, we have to have a high emotional intelligence. Man, Galatians 6, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. And this is where it gets real today that was the easy one. <laughs> These ones are harder. Don't give up. The second thing is this, ask God to fill you. Like you have to humble yourself and say, God, I want more of you. I love what it says in Ephesians 5. It says, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the, Lord, the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine. Didn't know amen. Nobody ever amens that. Um, which leads to reckless indiscretion. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, this passage is weird, and uh, most people don't preach on this passage, but this passage is different, so let me explain it for you. When you became a Christian, the Spirit of God came into your life. It's like a roommate that moved in. He took up residence for life. The Spirit of God is inside you. No matter what you do or choices you make, the Spirit of God has changed you and lives inside you, and He comforts you, and He convicts you of sin. He is with you in that season. And matter of fact, He is your promise that your salvation will be complete one day because we're still in this flesh. We still sin, we still make bad choices. But one day you will be the righteousness of God and that Holy Spirit is your seal. He is your promise of your full salvation. But in this season, there is extra filling of the Spirit. So what it says is don't be drunk with wine where it's excess, but instead be filled with the Spirit. There's an extra filling. And what this means, this word means a continual filling. It doesn't mean like just fill up once and let go. Be continually filled in the Spirit. Now, if you look at this, you're like, man, what's it mean to be like, don't be drunk? How do we go from wine to Jesus, you know? Like, how do we get these two together? And when you think about this, when you're, when you're drunk, every part of that alcohol is in every part of your system. Every ounce of wine, it affects every part of you. Your decisions, how you act, how you think, what you look like, where you're walking. I mean, it affects every part of your life in that season. And what we saying is, hey, don't be drunk like this wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Let God in, in intercept every part of your life. Like, don't let part of you do something that's not from God. Let God infiltrate every part of you, your family, your finances, your thought life, your secret habits. When you walk off this stage and go, I didn't do good enough. No, that's not from God. Like what, what, what's, what's happening? Like the spirit wants to, God wants to take over your life in every area. And the Old Testament is kind of cool because you see the filling of the spirit. Like we're the only people in history that when we become, we become Christians, the spirit of God lives in us. The whole Old Testament, the spirit of God didn't live in people. Like we're the temple of God. The Old Testament didn't know what that was about. The Spirit of God didn't live inside of them, so they just didn't know what that looked like. Uh, there's so much to talk about there, but in the Old Testament, Samson, 
He loses all his strength. Remember when he's, you can't hear me when I do that. I should learn that by now. Uh, but he loses all his strength. He's tied up in the temple and there's all these Philistines around and he prays out to God to fill him and he pushes over the temple and kills all the Philistines. That was a moment where he's filled by God. You got Stephen in the New Testament where he prays at the moment of his martyrdom and his face shines with the glory of God. There's moments where God fills you and God wants to fill you today. Bible says right there, it said, do not be drunk, but be filled with the spirit of God. There's a deep hunger to be involved, for God to be involved in every area of your life. And how's your spiritual battery? I've got a, gotta see what percentage I'm at. You can't find it. I was at 89% earlier. This thing's really good, 88%. I'm gonna go with that. This thing's about full, right? Because I'm not gonna have this thing drop off on me. But how's your, how's your spiritual battery? You know, a lot of us, if we're real honest, we might run about 4% battery. I've got an iPhone 6, I know what it's like. <laughs> it's barely making it by. But you know what's crazy when you run on a low spiritual battery? Is you always gotta be plugged in. You always gotta stand in a certain place next to the outlet. You got a three foot cord and you stand there. You're something holding you back. You can't go where God's calling you to go because you're always tethered down because you're not that full. You just barely got a charge. And if you show up to church and it's just that, routine of just going, I get a spiritual message and I go back next week, that's fine. I mean, you can survive at 4%, but you will never thrive in what God has called you to do. So this is what the Bible says about being filled in John 13. It says, Peter says to Jesus, he says, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, well, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Like Jesus, if I can't, if you're not gonna bless me, if you don't touch me, then I just touch every part of my life. Just bless me. God, use me. I'll be filled with you. I want you to use my life. I'm hungry for you. I'm gonna word from your word. You know, the last thing I wanna encourage you with, and this is a dangerous prayer. This is probably the most dangerous prayer you could ever pray as a Christian. Not just for God to fill you, but for God to grow your capacity. For God to make you bigger to give you a larger responsibility, to grow your influence, teach you self-discipline, just to stretch you and make you bigger. Now I did eat a lot of Frosties for this, come on somebody, <laughs> just telling you. But we all have a number on our back. There's a number right there on your back and you can't see it because we don't have that much self-awareness to really, really to know, realize what that number is. But we start out with, with a zero because there's a number on the back that represents how many people we can lead. When we start out, we don't know how to lead ourselves. We're teenagers, come on. We don't make always the best decisions, but we start figuring it out. And you start to grow in humility and self-control, and you start to learn little things in life, and God gives you the number one, the Junior Frosty, come on somebody. The Junior Frosty size, you got number one on your back. And then as God begins to shape you and change you, and you begin to grow and be more disciplined, he might give you the number two, move up to the mini Frosty. I don't know what that's, I made that up, whatever size that is. And then you move up maybe to three or four on your back. And that's how many people you're leading. And all of a sudden you're hanging out in class and they say, hey, Scott, what do you think about that? I know you're a Christian. Oh yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> you didn't know people watching you yet. You, you didn't know people saw what you did. You didn't know that you're gonna be called upon because you're the good dude because you're a Christian. You start praying at family functions. That's what happens when you're the size right here, right? <laughs> uh, maybe just me, okay. Um, and then you get a little bigger. And you get maybe fives on your back. And then maybe you get to 10s and 20s and 30s. And you start leading leaders. At this point, you start knowing that like, you're living for God. You made that choice. You're like, I'm gonna live for Jesus. And I'm not ashamed of that. And all of a sudden, people start following you. And at this level, you're leading other people who are leaders. You're like, I'm, I'm gonna be a leader of leaders. And then you get to this point where you got maybe hundreds or thousands on your back. You start leading leaders that lead leaders that lead leaders. You start developing developers. And at this point, maybe here or here, you become not just a parent of your kids, but you become a parent of group people. You become a parent of a school, you become a parent of a church, you become a parent of whatever thing you're involved in. When you walk into a room, people stand a little taller because you're there, because that's who you are. You just represent Jesus. You're just the kind of person that encourages people, the kind of person that prays for people, the kind of person that buys Christmas gifts that nobody knows about, the kind of person that has people over Thanksgiving, kind of person that drops extra money without putting your name on it for the church. You're the kind of person that just goes the extra mile because you're generous. That's who you are. And you get to this size and you can't even count the number of people that you've impacted. 
we came and began to quantify the amount of impact that people have had in their lives because of you. Like this number is big. And this is the number God wants you to have. Like God wants you to be here. And we can make the mistake that our lives are full, but they're really empty. Like we can make the mistake that like, I'm a really humble person. I read my Bible. We can make a mistake. We can make a mistake to think we got it all figured out. Like we can look spiritual and say, I'm doing good. It's like, no, maybe God has something bigger for you. And so for you, maybe the prayer is this, and I love this prayer. It's found in, if I can find my Bible here, 1 Corinthians 4. This is the prayer of Jabez. I love this prayer. Jabez cried out to the Lord God of Israel. He says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. You give me bigger capacity, that you enlarge my tent. He says, let your hand be with me, keep me from harm so I can be free from pain. And God granted his request. That is a 2020 prayer. Come on, somebody. Because I'm telling you, he said, that you be free from pain. You know, I think in this season, we think that all the stress and all the pressure and all the decisions and all the pivoting and all the problems and all these things, that we was trying to say, God, just take him from me. Just take him from me. Because you think it's gonna break us. And I couldn't do this in the first, but I can't do it. I'll turn it over. Maybe I do it. Watch out. It's gonna break us. So we think it's gonna happen. Like we think, God, just get out of here. I can't handle this. But you know what? God doesn't want to break you. Get that out of here. God wants to stretch you. God wants to grow you. You gotta hear this, somebody. Like God wants to grow you. God wants to grow you. God wants to shape you. God doesn't want you to fail. God doesn't want you to give up. You're like, but, but I love my girlfriend. But I love my bank account. God, what are you doing? I want that promotion. Like, no, man, I got something bigger for you. There's something ahead in the fulfillment of time between a promise and a promise fulfilled. If you don't give up, there's a harvest. If you in this season say, God just just enlarge my capacity, I bet God's gonna do some crazy stuff. You know what the result is when you pray this prayer? I just know the result because this happened this week. Check this out. When you wait no more and you pray a prayer for God not to fill you, but to grow your capacity, there's a Gallup poll that came out this week. Look it up, I dare you. It's true. Posted this week, all right? You go new.gallup.com. This is what it said. The only demographic with improved mental wellness in 2020, check it out, are those regularly participating in worship services. Is that crazy? Like all the chaos in the world, the only solution to help people become better was more of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's insane. Yeah, come on. What I love about it, it wasn't just like, well, one of many things. Like, oh, well, if you go to church, it's one of, it was the only thing. I'm gonna tell you something. You can be physically weary, but in this season, you can be spiritually healthy. You can be spiritually healthy because when this is right, it doesn't matter what this is like. When this is right, it doesn't matter that's not working out. And I just know in this next season, God's going to open some doors. God's going to show up and you're like, that's what he was teaching me. That's all making sense. It's going to come together for you. But I'm going to ask you guys, what number's on your back? What size are you? Now, will you, I dare you to pray the prayer. Say, God, I don't want to lead myself. I don't want to just lead others. God, I want to create a movement. God, use me. I'm not leaving until you bless me. Father, we come before you. God, I pray you just fill this place. God, I pray we just encounter you like we've never seen you before. Maybe for the very first time. Just that joy of our salvation. God, I pray we take something back from 2020 today.